Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. We have got breaking news coming out of Ukraine as Russia is continuing to pound Ukraine, uh, doing everything they can to hurt the people in Ukraine. Now, a quick reminder, if you're listening to this podcast, please make sure you hit the subscribe or auto download button and tell your friends about this podcast. Share this on social media. And if you would write us a five star review to help us as Democrats have been attacking our podcast recently with bad reviews. Now. Russia is doing everything they can to hurt the people in Ukraine. Joining me now to talk about this uh, is U.S. Senator from Tennessee, Marsha Blackburn. Senator, I appreciate you coming on. And I, I want to start with the uh, clearly the most glaring, uh, I, I think, miscalculation of this administration. And that is we are still buying millions of barrels of oil a day from Russia. We are subsidizing what many are now referring to as a genocide in Ukraine, certainly war crimes, which the president wouldn't even call it that yesterday. Why are we still buying oil from Russia and making them more money today than they made yesterday off that oil because oil prices are skyrocketing because he's invading Ukraine? That's right. One hundred and ten dollars a barrel for oil and 670 barrels per day of Russian oil is coming into the U.S. And if we had the Keystone Pipeline, it would be moving 830,000 barrels per day. So think about that, Ben. And yes, trying to get rid of Russian oil is something that we have encouraged this administration to do. To go back to producing oil, you know, under President Trump, we were energy independent, and we were a net exporter of oil and gas products. And yet, here we are with Biden having killed the Keystone Pipeline, stopped the production on federal lands and leases and offshore. So what did he do? He turned to OPEC, and he turned to Russia, and he said, sell us more oil. Now, This has made us dependent on those tankers coming out of Russia, moving that oil into our our product line. But now we have some of these oil companies beginning to say, no, we don't want Russian oil. And Russia is the number one importer of oil product to the U.S. at this point. Saudi Arabia is number two. I don't think a lot of people realize that just how much in in comparison. 
And, and I think it's so important that every American uh, look at this, regardless of politics. Uh, th- what you just yeah. said is such an incredible compare and contrast because I think a lot of people would assume, hey, we, we, we get more money, we get more oil from Saudi Arabia than we do from Russia, right? No, we get more oil from Russia than Saudi Arabia. You're right. And they're our number one at this point in time. So it is going to be imperative that this administration work with the private sector, something they don't always want to do. But to do that and to reverse course on this as quickly as they possibly can, and they can do that. We can do that. It is difficult to get the Keystone Pipeline going, uh, but it is possible because it's completed from Cushing, Oklahoma, down to the Gulf. It is the northern track that is not completed. So the administration would have to back off the envir- and force the Greens and environmentalists to back off, finish this keystone. That is 830,000 barrels a day. That is more than the 670 barrels per day that we are importing from Russia. And here is the thing. With Joe Biden doing this, he is, in essence, financing Putin's war against Ukraine, because what did he do? Comes in, he shuts down our oil and gas production. He gives Putin the Nord Stream 2. And then there are two things that Putin had asked for and Trump would not give him. Number one, he wanted a five-year renewal on the New START Treaty. Trump said, no, I'll give you one year with conditions. Biden comes in, he gives Putin five years, no conditions. So Putin says, okay, I want Nord Stream. So what does Biden do? Of course, Trump had put sanctions on Nord Stream. Biden comes along, he lifts the sanctions, gives him Nord Stream and no conditions. This is why he's in Ukraine right now. And if he is successful in Ukraine, he will not stop. My guest with me, U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee. Senator, let, let me uh, just get another perspective from you because you've obviously been briefed uh, on the humanitarian crisis. And I would argue now, and it's obvious from what we've seen just in the last 24 hours, that Vladimir Putin is targeting innocent people. He's targeting buildings uh, that are apartment buildings with innocent people in them. He is uh, indiscriminately at this point, I think, killing Ukrainians, trying to get them to fall as a country in general. Uh, I believe that this uh, constitutes war crimes. You've seen, obviously, more than I have. Do you believe that Vladimir Putin has committed war crimes? Because the president would not call it that. Absolutely. I think he's committed war crimes. And when you look at the weaponry that he is using, when you look at the carpet bombing he is doing, how these tanks are taking some of these villages and just flattening the villages, the way he is killing and bombing indiscriminately and targeted also. And we just pray for all people in Ukraine. We um, know that, and here's the thing, he keeps saying, well, um, it it is drug addicts and thieves and uh, Nazis running the country. Ukraine has a Jewish president. And this is something 
that ought not to be lost on people. Ukraine has worked diligently trying to get into NATO, trying to get into the EU, trying to stand up on their own two feet. This is a country that wants freedom, and they have loved the freedom that they have had. And this is a country that deserves the support of the West. And last fall, I sent a letter over to the White House. In the letter, I said, now is the time for sanctions, economic sanctions. It's the time to keep the sanctions on Nord Stream 2. It is the time to begin sales of lethal aid to Ukraine. Because Vladimir Putin had been really kind of telegraphing he was going to do this. During the Olympics, at the end of the Olympics in 08, he went into Georgia. 2014, he went into Crimea. Um, He knew that Obama and Biden had sent the Ukrainian army blankets and meals ready to eat. Uh, In 2017, Trump sent them bombs and bullets. Uh, He looked at, um, at Biden. Biden gave him everything he wanted, no conditions. And he said, okay, if I'm going to take Ukraine, if I'm going to get the band back together for the old Soviet Union, now is my shot. So that is what he's doing. When you look at the lack of preparation specifically from the Biden administration, we knew what they were doing. We knew they were gaining, you know, getting the troops on the border. We knew they were planning an invasion. All intelligence said he wasn't bluffing at doing this. Why did they not start sanctions then? And not just, I want to be clear, not just uh, our country, but why did so many countries around the world wait till after he started the invasion to put those sanctions on? Why didn't we do that at the very beginning to send him a message of this is what's going to happen to your economy if you do this before you even start? Well, and there are some of us that said three weeks ago, get these, make these sanctions proactive, not reactive. You know, get send this message that if you do this, this is what you're going to face. But Joe Biden didn't want to do that. This administration didn't want to do that. They wanted to wait until something happened. And Ben, you know, you've got to say, okay, here's the sanctions. This is where we draw the line. You're doing this buildup. Back in the fall, he had about 70,000 troops in the region. That's when I sent my letter. And then to wait until there's 130,000 and they've started to come into the country to say, hey, wait a minute, we really mean this. We're going to do some sanctions on you. People should have been putting these sanctions in place early on. They should have, and they didn't, and they waited. And now you look at where we are with this and you see what's happening over the last, uh, you know, 12 hours even. It's clearly the, the, the situation is deteriorating there. Zelensky's saying... We need help. Biden said we are, quote, doing everything we can to help Zelensky. What would happen if the president did, in fact, say we're going to stop buying Russian oil, which is subsidizing this war? That's the biggest card left on the table. So he's lying when he says we're doing everything we can to help Zelensky. We are not. And if we did it, I'm assuming other countries would move forward with that. Do you think the president has the, the guts to do this? Well, Canada's already done it. 
Canada is not importing any Russian oil. And we should join in doing what Canada is doing and saying we will not import any Russian oil. We're not going to have this in our pipeline, in our stream to consumers. That would be a very positive step. Now, if this administration has the courage and the the will to do that, they have been reticent to step forward and do that, you would have um, a diminished supply. They're trying to say 60 million barrels of oil is what we've released. In the U.S., that is about a two-and-a-half to three-day supply. That's it. That's it. I mean, it's basically meaningless. It's like when he, when oil prices were spiking uh, earlier or a couple months ago, and they, he was like, "Oh, I'm going to release, a, you know, the X number of barrels." It was one and a half days supply of oil, and it was totally meaningless. And the majority of that oil we actually had to sell to other markets outside the U.S. because it wasn't clean burning enough for us. Well, that's right, and you have all the different types, whether it's sour or sweet, all the crude that is there, and you know. It, it is just going to be imperative that we look at the supply chain and that we realize what is happening with the supply chain. And then the other thing that we have to keep our eyes on, as I've been saying since day one with this, I've got two pieces of legislation we're trying to move forward in the Senate. One is a sense of the Senate that we would remove Russia from the UN Security Council. They ought not to be there because of the crimes they're committing against innocent Ukrainian people. And number two is a sense of the Senate that we support having Russia removed in total from the SWIFT banking system. Right now, some of the banks are removed, but it is economic transactions. It is sanctions on oligarchs, and it is not the energy sector. We need to lock down their energy sector in order to stop the flow of capital into that country. So those two pieces of legislation we're trying to move forward, that will tell us where China is going to be and how much they're going to do, how much the Chinese Communist Party and Xi Jinping is going to do to prop up Russia during this time. Well, and that was my my last question I was going to ask you is is China uh, and Russia are not natural allies. They 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 they've really never gotten along, seen the world the same way. The Biden administration has forced this uh, them into this weird uh, uh, almost allegiance or or put them in a corner together with our policies, and it has come out, obviously, this morning. China has said they will not put sanctions on Russia. Uh, I think this may be the bigger catastrophe in the long haul here is the fact that this administration's foreign policy has forced two, basically, adversaries into the same corner where they're now some sort of allies with one another. Yeah, you know, look at it. China wants to be globally dominant by the time we get to 2050. The Chinese Communist Party is doing everything they can do from every corner, whether it is to go after our free speech, to go after our religious liberty. China is trying to upend 
some of the institutions here in our country. We know that. They are going to do that. Now, their frenemy in this is Russia. So it's going to be interesting to see how much support China is going to give Russia. And are they going to bank them? Are they going to become Russia's biggest purchaser of oil? How are they going to stand with Russia? To what extent? And then at what point would they turn on Russia and say, all right, we've done enough to, to soft land you out of this, and now you're on your own. And if we can take them completely, if we can take Russia completely out of the SWIFT banking system, if we can halt these economic transactions and this flow of oil and gas, bear in mind Russia is basically a big oil depot with an army. And Joe Biden had been out here saying, I'm the only one that can go toe-to-toe with Vladimir Putin. But basically what he's been doing is playing footsie with him. And now he's got himself into a mess. And you've got this alliance between Russia and China that has come up this year during the Biden administration. It's very scary. Senator, I appreciate your time. I hope uh, that you guys are going to get to talk to the White House and explain to them how important it is to, to, to declare that these are war crimes because the White House still seems to be holding out on that, uh, which is unconscionable to me. And I hope that somebody can talk some sense to yeah. them, explain to them these are war crimes we're watching on TV and the whole world is seeing it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. It wasn't really a state of the union. It was more the state of the Ukraine. Joe Biden wrapping himself in the Ukraine issue. I think trying to unite people around him because people are united around Ukraine. Joining me now to talk about the state of the union address is U.S. Senator Bill Haggerty from Tennessee. Senator, I appreciate uh, you taking some time to chat with us. And let's start with that. It was uh, it was about 15 minutes straight 
on the Ukraine issue. Uh, it was clear that he was trying to wrap himself in the popularity uh, of those that are uh, standing with Ukraine. It's, it's clearly very popular worldwide. But there was no direct warning to Vladimir Putin. And I want to get your reaction to that first and foremost. There was no direct words to Vladimir Putin from the president, uh, which I thought was really sad that we didn't see the president of the United States of America when spending all of that time on Ukraine giving some sort of words or direct warning to Vladimir Putin, and he did not do it. Your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are you know, Biden's playing both sides of this. Uh, when you think about the war on American energy that he's launched, he continues to put that above Americans' well-being. He's killed the Keystone XL pipeline drilling on federal lands. He's driven up energy prices here, and he's made us dependent on Russia. We are now buying oil and gas from Russia. I think they account for about 10% of our supply. So if you think about it, Ben, what he's doing is supplying Ukraine and taking credit for, for really what Zelensky is doing. And I hope we can talk about that for a minute. But he's also making us dependent on Russia. We've got to buy energy from them. So if you think about it, he's actually subsidizing the war machine that, that uh, Russia is mounting against Ukraine. At the same time, he's providing weapons to Ukraine to defend themselves. It's pathetic. That's why he didn't take it on head on, I think, because he's playing both sides of this. And what he's trying to do is really take credit for what President Zelensky of Ukraine has done. President Zelensky has actually demonstrated leadership. The world is hungry for leadership because they're hungry for liberty and freedom. We've been locked down for over two years. And I think when the public saw Zelensky stand up and say, I don't need a ride home to President Biden. What I need is more ammunition. That inspired people. That, that made people realize that leadership is important. America has historically been the world leader. We're not anymore. But seeing Zelensky step up, you know, the, a former comedian who's president of a relatively small company has united the rest of the world. He's done more in a few days than Joe Biden has done in more than a year. You mentioned Zelensky said uh, this morning in a in address the nation uh, that he has not slept or they have not slept. The people have not slept in seven days. We are now seeing uh, mass casualties, more than 2000 civilians. Uh, Ukrainian civilians have been killed during this invasion so far. Ukraine is also now asking uh, for the world's help at, uh, at protecting their nuclear sites. Uh, there are things, as you just mentioned, Joe Biden could have said. He could have said, we're going to stop importing uh, Russian oil and we're going to choke them off financially that way. He did not say that in the State of the Union. Why? Ben, that was his biggest missed opportunity. My hope is that Joe Biden would come on stage and saying that we're going to reverse our war on American energy. We're going to become energy independent again. We're coming to the rescue, to the rescue of the folks in Europe who are dependent on Russian oil and gas. We're coming back strong. Instead, all he said was we're going to release what amounts to about 1.5 days worth of our strategic petroleum reserve. I checked oil prices this morning, Ben. They're up. 6%. This had zero impact. In fact, I think the world was hoping that he would do more. So now oil prices are up even higher. He's got more inflation on the way. Uh, it was a massive missed opportunity. And he failed to mention a number of things that he should have just stepped up and taken ownership for. He should have said, look, we're here to press the reset button now. We're going to make America strong. We're going to make our economy strong. We're going to shut down our borders. We're going to make crime go away. We're going to really deal with the problems domestically. And we're going to be strong as a nation again. He failed uh, I, to do that, and I think America is is, is, is really disappointed in him. Uh, there were some shocking things that happened last night. Let's talk about the actual state of the union in America. He said that we are strong because we're united with Ukraine, uh, and, and, and which was an odd ending. And then he's even said, go get him. 
Who was the get him? Did anybody know? Were you guys as confused as everybody no, else I, watching? It was the it was the most odd in. Who was the go get? He literally yells, "Go get him!" Like, what? Are we going to play a football game, Mr. President? What? Are you saying go get Vladimir Putin? What are you saying? I, I have no idea where he was going with that. Then I, I I couldn't make any sense of it either. It's almost as bad as what I heard this morning when they called him Vice President Harris to explain in simple terms what's happening. I don't know if you saw this clip, but she talked about. I mean. A second grader could have done a better job when she said, well, Ukraine is a small country and Russia is a big country next to it. I don't know if you saw this clip. It was worse than something you'd see on Sesame Street. It, it, it is shocking to see also the bait and switches in this administration on some other domestic issues. Uh, one of those last night was, uh, and you know this very well, Donald Trump, when he was president, made sure that we lowered the price of certain um, drugs, life-saving drugs. Insulin was one of them. When Joe Biden and his administration came in, they immediately undid what he did. The prices went back up. Then last night, he declared like it was a victory, saying he's going to lower the prices of the same exact drugs that he purposely made skyrocket and go up when he became the president of the United States of America to a massive round of applause uh, from Democrats in the room. When, for the last year... People have been suffering because he's the one that actually undid it with insulin, for example. Ben, as, as always, you're, 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 you bring your insight to bear. That's exactly what happened. And I think maybe even, even on a grander scale, he came in and tried to take credit for job creation. These are jobs that have been shut down thanks to blue governor mandates. He hasn't gotten us back to the level we were before the pandemic. Yet he tried to say that this was the greatest job creation effort that's ever been undertaken by a president. These are people just getting back to work. They still aren't all the way back to work, and we still haven't recovered from the pre-pandemic level or to the pre-pandemic levels of employment. Yeah, he tried to take credit for that last night as well. Again, bait and switch, just as you say. What happened with the masks? And and this is an inside baseball question because all of a sudden, out of out of nowhere, the mask mandates in the floor of the House disappeared literally for the State of the Union. Um, you, you had, uh, yes, you guys had to have a COVID test to get in there, but he started off by, by almost seeming like the pandemic had ended. The masks were gone. We're gathering back together again compared to one year ago. And it's, and, and yet in DC, the children are still mandated to wear masks in schools, but Congress is no longer because it's almost like they realize how bad they screwed up on COVID. They have the cover of Ukraine right now, and they're like, all right, let's undo everything with masking that we screwed up on real quick, and let's just make these masks disappear because people won't notice. Uh, I, the, the hypocrisy from them, while they're still mandating masks on children, also just makes me furious. No, I, I, me as well. Uh, me as well. I don't know if you saw my, um, my statement on the floor yesterday. I, two weeks ago, I tried to pass a res- resolution to reopen the Capitol, to reopen the Senate, Democrats blocked it. You know, America is ready to reopen across the nation, yet Nancy Pelosi continues to keep the, the, the Capitol shut down. Chuck Schumer continues to keep the Senate shut down. Yesterday, I went back on the floor. I asked the Demo- I dared the Democrats to try to block it again. They backed away. You know, it's all convenient because of the State of the Union coming on. Now we're going to reopen the Capitol. They're going to accept my resolution. The mass mandate, the same thing. They didn't want that visual on screen because they know that these policies have been wrong. But again, it's hypocrisy upon hypocrisy upon hypocrisy. They just are doing it for the visual. I think the mayor of D.C. carefully planned this with the White House to lift the mask mandate in D.C. on the day of the State of the Union. And now 
we're going to go through the process of reopening the Capitol. But it took that press opportunity for the Biden administration to actually come to, 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 to its senses and remove the mask mandate. Again, the hypocrisy was still forcing it upon the children is awful. But you've got an administration here that manages by press release, not real policy, but press release. And that's just another example of the way these uh, the, the way the Biden administration has been managing things. My guest with me, U.S. Senator from Tennessee, Bill Haggerty, one of the shocking quotes was when the president said, let's stop seeing each other as enemies. Less than 24 hours earlier, another exact quote from Joe Biden, the unvaccinated are responsible for the pandemic. Uh, I mean, I, I'm sorry the the idea that this guy can walk out there on national TV and talk about unity. I, I say shove it when literally less than 12 hours er- earlier, he's saying the unvaccinated which is his public enemy, number one, are responsible for this pandemic, yes. which is clearly not true. Uh, and, and then walk on TV going, let's unite and let's find common ground. Well, I, it, that, that's absolutely true. And he, he does this constantly. And last night, and I was listening carefully for what he was saying, last night he indicated as well that he's going to wage war on corporate America. You know, he, he, he selected uh, companies that are in the, in the meatpacking business. There are some issues there. We've got laws to deal with that. Uh, the problem with that industry is it's heavily regulated by the USDA, and it makes it hard for new competitors to come in when prices go up. But with, with that said, he's talking about more enforcement, more, more IRS investigators. He's going to start investigating every company. There is a war on American business right now. There is a war on the American people. We all know that because we've been subject to mandates. Yet he's not willing to stand up and be strong when it comes to our posture in the rest of the world. He you know, has destroyed our energy independence. He's destroyed our ability to come to the aid of our allies who are now under the thumb of Russia because they're dependent on Russian oil. When I was ambassador to Japan, that was my job before becoming a U.S. senator, uh, we were energy independent in the Trump administration. I worked very hard with Japan to get them to invest billions of dollars in infrastructure to import our LNG. I said, look, what have the Russians done for you? What have the Qataris done for you? You should be doing business with your strategic ally, America. We should be selling you our natural gas because it's, our, it's in our economic interest. It's in our national interest and national security interest. Now Biden has killed all of that ability. And I was hoping last night he would say we're coming back. You know, we're going to bring back American independent energy. Uh, again, we're going to remain subject to, 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 Russia's, you know, to Russian control. We're importing about 10 percent of our uh, energy supplies right now from Russia. We are indirectly subsidizing Russia's war on Ukraine at the same time we're sending weapons to Ukraine. It is pathetic. My guest with me is U.S. Senator Bill Haggerty. Senator, there was a shocking disconnect from reality. Uh, The president continued to take shots on uh, on those that are in favor of the Second Amendment. Uh, He tried to say that Americans don't need an AR-15 with a 30-round magazine um, because deer don't have Kevlar vests on. Uh, If you've been watching what has taken place in Ukraine this week, and, and I own a gun store, the number of people coming into our store watching what is happening in Ukraine and realizing that they, in fact, do need to make sure that they are always prepared to defend themselves, whether it be from rogue actors within this country or other countries, just like what we're seeing in Ukraine. If there's any time for him to understand why the American people have the Second Amendment right to bear arms and that they shouldn't be trying to ban arms right now, it should be during the last 
seven days we've been witnessing in Ukraine, yet he still tries to use a false narrative that, oh, well, you don't need these guns because deer don't have Kevlar vests. It's absurd. And indeed it is. Um, and I apologize that they just flagged me. I'm going to have to run in for a briefing. But on that point, um, you've got Americans that are watching what's happening in Ukraine and seeing the Ukrainian public step up. They know how to use weapons. They're doing everything they can to defend themselves. But we've also got a war waging in America's soil right now. President Biden destroyed our southern border. We've had a flood of more than two million illegal immigrants come in. We have had fentanyl across that border from China, fentanyl coming in and killing our kids. We've got crime rates through the roof. We've got smash and grab going on in big cities. We've got no cash bail. And what we've seen is war waged on America. And Americans are concerned. They have every reason to be concerned, thanks to the policies of the Biden administration. I thought that was so tone deaf last night. But again, they're shameless. They won't miss any opportunity to go after our Second Amendment rights. They will not do it. Senator, I appreciate your time. I know you got to get to that briefing. Uh, as always, a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, we'll have Great you back again real you, soon. Thank, Thank you, you so sir. Much. All the best. All right. Lastly, please make sure you hit that subscribe button or auto download button wherever you are listening to this podcast right now. And take a moment to write us a five star review. Uh, many on the left have been attacking our podcast, writing us bad reviews on purpose. So if you would help us fight back by writing us a good review, a five star review and share this podcast with your family and friends on social media to help us grow. See you back here tomorrow. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.